This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. It is a midweekend edition of the BOL Pod. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. It is the final weekend of February. 2023, that means March Madness. It's basically here at this point. And for the Alabama men's basketball team, that means an ongoing quest for an SEC regular season title. That means an ongoing quest for perhaps an overall number one seed for the 2023 NCAA tournament. Don't want to forget about the Alabama women's team as well. Christy Curry's team still in good shape where its NCAA tournament hopes are concerned. Dropped a couple in a row here on the road. Got a big one on Sunday, actually, at Coleman Coliseum with Ole Miss coming to town. When you think about seeding scenarios and potential for that where the SEC Women's Tournament is concerned, a big one on Sunday for the Alabama women. We're going to talk some football as well as we move throughout the pod. Some more coaching staff movement for Nick Saban's coaching staff. We're going to talk some wide receiver position for Alabama looking ahead to the 2023 season. But absolutely, we're going to start with the Alabama men's basketball team and that 86-83 win over the visiting Arkansas Razorbacks on Saturday afternoon. Had to work for this one. This wasn't the typical Alabama blowout at home that we've seen so many times this season. Really, three blowouts for all time when you look at conference wins over the likes of LSU and Georgia and Vanderbilt. And as I wrote in three predictions for Arkansas and Alabama on Friday at BamaOnline.com, really didn't anticipate this game being one of those games. Thought it would be more along the lines of Mississippi State, which was a three-point game in Tuscaloosa from an SEC perspective. And then in the non-con, Memphis with a three-point loss in Tuscaloosa. Figured it would be more like those games than even Kentucky was in Tuscaloosa a while back. What, 26-point win over Cal and the Wildcats in January? Yeah, This wasn't one of those. Arkansas with Nick Smith Jr. available really pushed the Crimson Tide to the limit. Smith, the number one overall prospect for the 2022 recruiting cycle, missed that initial meeting with the Crimson Tide in Fayetteville, comes back, scores 24 in this one. He needed 23 shots to get there, so it wasn't an especially efficient performance, but no doubt. Big lift with Nick Smith Jr. in that lineup for Eric Musselman's team. Debo Davis with 21 points for the Razorbacks. Boy, Ricky Council Jr., or excuse me, Ricky Council coming off the bench for Arkansas. 20 of his own. Really good reserve type player. He's a starter. I mean, he plays starter minutes. He played 30 minutes on Saturday against Alabama, but a 58-point second half for the Crimson Tide gets Alabama home on a day in which... Alabama goes 3 of 22 from the three-point stripe. 
Alabama still scores 86 points. So, so much, once again, as we talked about throughout this season, so much for the narrative that if Alabama doesn't make its threes, it can't beat quality teams. Well, it shot 30 free throws and really dominating more so in the paint there in the second half. Alabama with 52 paint points on its way to scoring 86 in all. And the bench came up big. Bench was, well, at South Carolina midweek, pretty much non-existent from an offensive perspective. You had a bucket from Javon Quinterly. You had an and one from Nick Pringle in that win over South Carolina. That was it. Five bench points in Columbia on Wednesday night. Well, you get uh, 33 in the win over Arkansas with Javon Quinterly. Hello, JQ. That's the JQ Nate Oates likes to see. 16 points in the win over Arkansas. Seven assists in 28 minutes of action. Jaden Bradley, starter at the point guard position, plays just seven minutes on Saturday against Arkansas, doesn't score. Uh, Brandon Miller didn't have a great shooting performance from three, just one of six, but he too in that second half had a really committed approach to getting to the rim. He finishes 7 of 7 from the free throw line with 6 rebounds to go along with those 24 points in the game. Noah Clowney with a double-double. 13 boards, 10 points. Noah had a little bit of a sequence there late in the game where he turned it over and I think it was Nick Smith Jr. gets the easy bucket and then there's an and one involving Noah Clowney on the defensive end and that finish got a little tight, didn't it? All of a sudden, you got Ryland Griffin shooting free throws in a two-point game. He makes one of two. Arkansas with a last-second chance to send that game to overtime, and the Razorbacks are unable to do it. Again, good stuff from the Alabama bench with Pringle going for seven in just seven minutes of action. Dom Welch, I think, continues to show some promise with seven points, two of two from the field, two of two from the free throw line. He had two rebounds in just seven minutes of action. Quinterly, once again, a little bit of a roller coaster with JQ. You know, you kind of want that fast pass when you're dealing with JQ in some instances. But, boy, he was a big lift in the win over Arkansas on Saturday. So Alabama out-rebounds the Razorbacks 48-37. to Alabama, when you look at points in the paint, again, 52-38 to plus 14 in that regard, and really when you consider that Alabama only made three threes in the game, 13 assists, pretty elevated number. Alabama for the game shoots 14% from three, but 83% from the line on those 30 attempts, and that went a long way in the Crimson Tide, securing at least a share for the 2023 SEC title. State doing a solid doing an absolute solid for the Crimson Tide in Starkville a little bit later on Saturday. It was the Bulldogs over the second-place Aggies by seven. Alabama now, with a win over rival Auburn on Wednesday night, can secure the outright SEC crown. Second SEC title potentially for Alabama in three years under Nate Oates. Unfortunately, on Saturday, it did not come without controversy. As we saw in the pregame introductions, in what apparently has been his routine throughout this season, Brandon Miller, when he comes out upon being introduced, as you see across basketball or 
College basketball, certainly, you have a certain ritual when it comes to handshakes or little shimmies or little dances. Well, Brandon Miller's involves a faux pat-down from one of his teammates. That went over about as well as you might have expected, and really, to be frank, as well as it should have. In light of recent events, self-awareness is very much critical at this stage for Alabama men's basketball, and it has really come up short on multiple occasions since Tuesday, since the probable cause hearing in Tuscaloosa involving the tragic and untimely and unnecessary passing of Jamea Harris. It's just been one punch after another for Nate Oates, for the program, for the university, Again, this is a situation apparently that's been in play for Miller throughout the season. So this hot take, and to be sure, there have been some that have totally gone beyond the line of what's even close to fair, okay? Especially going back to last Tuesday. And as we got into Wednesday, we started to learn at least the account that was going to be provided by Brandon Miller's camp. And so that calmed some of it. And then you started to see some maybe national voices of prominence like a Jay Billis and some others speak on behalf or in support of NATO's and the decision to maintain the availability of Brandon Miller. And then you get to Saturday and now you've got this pat-down situation and a lot of that maybe slowly growing goodwill goes totally out the window, at least for the time being. And so it is. It won't be slowing down anytime soon. And again, Brandon Miller to this point, he's had witness status. He has, by all accounts, fully cooperated with this investigation. Uh, There are apparently still things that will further prove that Brandon is exactly that, an unfortunate witness to this awful incident and so you got to let some things play out I've been steadfast in that stance really throughout this situation have some patience I know it's emotionally charged I can only imagine as a parent what the Harris family is continuing to go through in the aftermath of this horrific event that being said there is still a process to play out criminally and just in relation to what happened, what actually happened, what does the evidence support, what are the timestamps on texts, what does video, both surveillance, maybe video that Brandon Miller has provided from his own possession, how do all these things add up? It's going to take some time. I know we all want it to be done right now. And for Jamea Harris and her family, no one wishes that more than I do. They deserve that, absolutely. But it's not going to work that way. And so for Brandon Miller, self-awareness. For Nate Oates, self-awareness. Read the room. Kind of understand what you're working with right now. And there's other people too. You look at an Alabama program at this level, you're staffed to the gills. There's people around all the time. You are very much under the microscope right now. There will be no greater scrutiny than what Alabama men's basketball is dealing with. This is a once-in-a-lifetime, hopefully it's just a a once-in-a-lifetime, 
type of event impacting Alabama men's basketball right now. So when you think about stories in the sports world right now, this is as big as it gets in, in the last four or five days. And it's not going to change in the coming days. And, you know, you just got to be better. Um, even if it's inadvertent, even if it's um, not something that you're given a lot of thought to, that therein lies the problem. And really, when you go back to Wednesday night at South Carolina, if this is something Brandon's done throughout the season, then that means he did it at South Carolina Wednesday night. And there was no blowback. There were no accounts of this uh, at, at Colonial Life Arena. So, then uh, that maybe makes it even worse what happened Saturday, is that you've already done this since Tuesday and since the whirlwind and the blowback from that hearing, and you, you, no one caught it or no one thought, you know, Wednesday night, if someone saw this or if you're involved in this somehow to think, you know, maybe that isn't such a good idea, guys. Anyway, Alabama basketball with an opportunity once again coming up on Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum to wrap up an SEC outright championship and make that road trip to Texas A&M next Saturday. Well, not meaningless because if you're Alabama, you're still playing for seeding at the NCAA tournament level. You're trying to lock up that number one overall seed. But in terms of a championship, you can go ahead and secure that outright version of the SEC crown midweek. All right, so let's get into some Alabama football coaching staff news. And it's been a newsy few days, especially in the wake of Austin Armstrong after a very brief tenure as Alabama's inside linebacker coach agreeing to become the primary defensive play caller for Billy Napier and the Gators down in Gainesville. Of course, Napier and Armstrong had a prior relationship working together at the University of Louisiana, relationships, networking in the college ranks is like, well, about every other facet of day-to-day life. Very, very important. And so it is on to UF for Austin Armstrong. And with that, Alabama with a vacancy once again at the inside linebacker position. Although you kind of wondered how Nick Saban might go about this. Would he rethink the standalone position for Kevin Steele as a defensive coordinator. Maybe Steele would take over inside linebackers and Alabama would bring in another secondary coach to go along with Traveris Robinson. Well, with the hiring of Robert Bala, it looks like it is going to be a situation that was in place when Armstrong was on the job with Kevin Steele as a standalone coordinator. Bala coaching inside linebackers. Traveris Robinson coaching the secondary. Uh, Freddie Roach, obviously, coaching the defensive line. Coleman Hutzler still in play there with the outside linebackers and working with the special teams. But again, for Bala, you're talking about the road less traveled. And I like that about the guy. He started out as a assistant coach at the junior college level, working at Snow College and Palomar college did an internship with the Oakland Raiders with the linebackers and special teams and kind of sandwiched that between those stints at the JC level and 
moved on to the NAIA level from Palomar College in 2017 to Ottawa University in Arizona, where he was the special teams coordinator and safety coach. From there, it was back to his alma mater of Southern Utah in 2018, worked as a defensive coordinator, worked with the linebackers, worked with the safeties, worked with the corners. So you're getting some positional value with this guy in terms of versatility too. The background he has with multiple positions on the defensive side of the ball. 2022, he moves on to Liberty where he takes over as a defensive analyst on Hugh Freeze's staff with the Flames and then was promoted to an on-the-field role with the linebackers at Liberty and now it is on to the Southeastern Conference. And again, I like Bala's background. Don't know a ton about the guy. I'll tell you that. But I do like, I'm partial to JC's. I have history with junior college success stories. So uh, very much a fan of individuals who sort of follow that path, either as student athletes and or in the coaching ranks. I like it because it tells me that Bala, not just at the JC level, but when you're coaching special teams five years ago at Ottawa University, um, you're about the life. You're a you're a hardcore football person uh, when you take the path that it looks like Robert Bala has taken to Alabama. And he has background at the J.C. level, which we know it's been sort of, I wouldn't say lessened in terms of value to four-year schools, but with the transfer portal being so readily available like it is with the one-time transfer rule, it's probably taken a little bit of a backseat to the portal, but... We saw it in the most recent class for Alabama. The top two junior college prospects for the 2023 cycle end up signing with Alabama. So he has that background working at the JC level. He's also a California guy, hometown of Oceanside, California. So this is a guy that we know Alabama has had a ton of success out on the West Coast. Perhaps he fills a role on the recruiting trail from that perspective. I also noticed in his short time at Liberty He's worked some areas in the south like northeast Florida, the Jacksonville area. So Alabama, as we know, a lot of success down in Duval. So maybe that's an area where he continues to work for Alabama moving forward. Now, Bala, in terms of age, he's not Austin Armstrong. He's not 29 years old, but this isn't a guy who's reached 40 years old as of yet. So you're going to anticipate energy. You're going to anticipate juice, not just in terms of player development at the inside linebacker position, but on the recruiting trail as well. I'm sure Robert Bala looks at the situation he's walking into with the talent that's going to be available to him, both from a grassroots perspective with what Alabama's done in the high school ranks here in the last couple of years. Some really impressive young players. They've also hit the portal, as we know, with Trez Marshall coming in from Georgia. The junior college ranks, as we talked about earlier, with Justin Jefferson. And a really nice building block piece in Deontay Lawson, a guy who could play the mic run the show from the center of the Alabama defense. He's played off the ball a good bit the last couple of years. So again, for a guy taking the step up to not only the SEC, but just the Power 5 level in general, a nice situation for Robert Bala to walk into. So let's counter some defensive talk from a coaching staff perspective with some offensive talk as we look ahead to the start of spring drills just a couple of weeks away 
at the University of Alabama. And today we'll look specifically at the wide receiver position for UA moving into 2023. Another year where it was very active, where the transfer portal was concerned, more so with guys moving on from Alabama. Treshawn Holden moves on from UA to Oregon. JoJo Earl moves on from the Crimson Tide back to his home state of Texas and TCU. Christian Leary, it looked like he was going home as well to UCF before changing his mind and landing at Georgia Tech. Going home was Aaron Anderson, Louisiana native, just a year into the program. He decides it's back to LSU for him. Now, Tyler Harrell the Louisville transfer from a year ago, he has entered the portal. I have not seen or heard where he has landed or if he has landed somewhere else at this point, Uh, but he too uh, made the decision to move on following the 2022 season. So when you look at what Alabama brings back at the wide receiver spot, Jermaine Burton is back, one-time Georgia receiver who joined the Crimson Tide in 2022. Ja'Cory Brooks heading into his junior season. Some really talented young slot options in Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice, both of whom came along quite nicely as the 2022 season progressed. Now, maybe not to the extent that Jalen Waddell and some other guys did as freshmen before them, but I guess in terms of a reasonable developmental rate, that was the case with Bond and Prentice a season ago. Kendrick Law also back in the fold. Emmanuel Henderson, Tyu Jones-Bell, the elder statesman of the group, I think it's safe to say at this point. Shaz Preston is back for year two. And then... You've got four early enrollees that we'll talk about as well, and Cole Adams, Malik Benson. We talked about junior college recruiting earlier. There's Malik Benson, Jalen Hale coming over from the state of Texas, highly regarded. A bit of a sleeper in Jaron Hamilton from Buholtz High School in Gainesville, Florida. Speaking of the Gators in Gainesville, here comes Jaron Hamilton. Now, here's what we know about Alabama's wide receiver situation at this point. Prior to last season, you had to go back to 2017 to find a campaign when an Alabama player, an Alabama receiver, didn't hit the 1,000-yard mark. Now, you can also go back to 2016 to find the last time Alabama brought back its top two wide receivers, and that's going to be the case this time around with Burton and Brooks. So while neither was, let's say, Jerry Judy or Devontae Smith or Jamison Williams or even John Mechie, they did some good things, especially down the stretch of the 2022 season that should have Alabama fans excited about their respective returns. Now, when you look at explosive plays or at least yards per catch average, Burton and Brooks had healthy numbers, 16.9 yards per catch for Jermaine Burton in 2022. Meanwhile, Ja'Cory Brooks went for 17.3 per grab. You know, of Burton's reception, receiving yardage, and touchdown reception totals in 2022, about half of that, half of that production came in the final four games of the season. He caught 18 passes for 352 yards and four touchdowns in the final four games of last season. Brooks was kind of that same sort of guy as well. Now, what I liked about Brooks was you could tell that Bryce Young developed some confidence with him, which would make sense. You go back to even the Auburn game, the Iron Bowl 
in 2021 down on the plains and the big plays that Ja'Cory Brooks made in the clutch to help Alabama get past the Tigers. He did a lot of that once again in 2022. And the second half theme for this duo, again, they combined to catch 18, excuse me, 18, eight touchdown passes in the final five games of the 2022 season. And then again, when you look at Bond and Prentice, maybe more so in the way of splash plays, but you saw Bond in games against Arkansas and Tennessee deliver some explosive plays. Prentice capped his freshman season in the Sugar Bowl against Kansas State with that catch and run for a score from 47 yards out. So there are positives, no doubt about it for Holman Wiggins to build on as the position coach. But there is also plenty of room for improvement. Catch consistency, route running, identifying coverages, perimeter blocking, getting synced up with the quarterback on extended plays and a new quarterback situation at that. Those are all the attention to detail sort of items that this group can certainly continue to make strides in. And it's not just where the first-year players and newcomers are concerned either. I mean, it's got to start with Burton and Brooks on a daily basis setting the standard for the rest of that room. And a lot of the things that we outlined, the to-do list, I guess you could say, for Alabama this offseason at the wide receiver position, it goes back to helping you create more explosive plays in the quick game. you got to be better blocking on the perimeter. If you want to go back to those smoke screens covering 60, 70 yards on occasion, or even in the quick game with the slants and those type of things, after the catch, these guys have got to be better. And it's with explosive plays in mind where you start to take Benson into account. The junior college transfer, you know, he sort of looks like he could fill that role of explosive playmaker on the outside. Burton and Brooks are outside guys, but at Alabama, like at so many other places these days, if you've got three primary slots, you're almost positionless. You're expecting your guys to be able to line up and perform inside, outside, regardless of formation. So there's a very real possibility that, you know, if it is that Benson is too difficult to keep off the field and Burton and Brooks are still in your top two or three, you can figure out ways to get those guys on the field together. And when you watched Benson again at the junior college level at Hutchinson Community College out there in Kansas, he had a way of creating space on a consistent basis. He created space for himself because defenses at that level absolutely had to respect the ability for him to get over the top. And in doing so, when they went to softer coverages, you know, he would turn dig routes into explosive plays after the catch or he would hit them with dig route, dig route, shorter route, shorter route, and then hit the double move for over-the-top plays. And those second-year guys are undoubtedly going to be a big part of this as well. You talk about Kendrick Law. He became more of a factor as the 2022 season wore on. He had 52 receiving yards against Auburn in the Iron Bowl for a season high for him in that area in 2022. How about Emmanuel Henderson? He comes to Alabama as a top three running back recruit for the 2022 cycle. He only had one catch in his freshman season, a 14-yarder in Alabama shutout of Austin P. But you did see him late against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. 
This is a guy, again, 6'1", 185, can play inside, can probably play outside. Shaz Preston saw the field as a true freshman, but he was able to maintain a year of eligibility while appearing in five games. And again, Jones Bell is the grandfather figure of this group at this point with all of the attrition, with all the movement, with guys coming and going like they have at wide receiver in the last couple of three years. Jones Bell has hung around long enough to catch four balls in his UA career to date. As we touched on earlier, too, the change at quarterback and offensive coordinator will certainly impact this area. You know, when you think about Bryce Young, he was one of those guys that was capable of lifting the level of play of everyone around him. With a new quarterback in place, I think more of the lifting is going to have to go on guys like Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks and maybe Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond, Malik Benson. And while Tommy Reese's background speaks to the potential for more 12 personnel for Alabama in 2023, 12 personnel, of course, being two tight ends, with UA's continued emphasis on the wide receiver position in recruiting, I don't think 11 personnel is going entirely away anytime soon. I mean, some of the need to get these newcomers involved at mid-year had to do with the aforementioned departures, but it's also reasonable to conclude that shortcomings in the 2020 and 2021 classes played a role in Alabama loading up on receivers once again. And when we talk about those newcomers, we talk about Cole Adams as a guy on the high school level, worked at multiple spots, also was utilized in the return game, had an unfortunate injury there, I believe, as a senior. But he was clocked at sub-11 seconds in the 100 meters. He was effective on vertical routes. He is an undersized guy, make no mistake about it. But watch his tape, and what you see is a guy who plays without concern for contact, something that shows up quite nicely when he's blocking on the perimeter. Just based on measurables and skill set, I would say Adams figures to get his start at Alabama more so inside, perhaps in the slot. Now, when you look at Hale, you're talking polish, you're talking length and production. Physical attributes, you look at Jalen Hale, it's hard not to think of Devontae Smith. Not saying he's going to be Devontae Smith, just has that sort of look about him. This is a guy, as we talked about earlier, positionless wide receiver these days. Hale worked both outside and inside in high school, so he should be able to adapt quickly to multiple spots. He is a long strider, and he gets to top speed quickly, something you don't usually equate to a long strider. And he's also shown, at least in the high school ranks, that he can win high point opportunities on a consistent basis. And what about Hamilton? We talked about him a little bit earlier coming in from Gainesville, Florida. With his mix of size and speed, he shows up very quickly on tape where the intermediate and vertical aspects of the passing game are concerned. Strong guy, physical after the catch, breaks tackles, picks up chunks after contact. And I also like that he's, on tape anyway, he shows the attributes of a instinctive hands catcher who won a lot of 50-50 opportunities against formidable competition down in the state of Florida on the prep level. So there you go, an overview of the wide receiver position as we brace ourselves for the start 
of 2023 spring drills at the University of Alabama. As always, we appreciate you joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the pod, anywhere you consume pods, you're going to find the Bama Online Podcast. And while you're subscribing, and even if you already have, if you would leave us a rating and a review there for the Bama Online Podcast, that would help us out tremendously as well. As always, you want to post up with us right there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again, and until next time, so long, everybody. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.